this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering six conversations from Season 3, Episodes 28 and 29, our preview episode and wrap-up panel from the 5th International Nash Day. This conversation is all about collaboration. It starts with Jorn Schottenberg noting the increasing momentum for groups to work together. In that context, I recall Jeff Lazarus's comment the first time he joined us that, and I quote, hepatology can't do this alone, and the realization that the way things are progressing, hepatology might not need to. That said, most of this conversation revolves around two observations from Louise Campbell. One, about the rapidly expanding rate of change and development of key products with particular emphasis on NITs. In that context, she notes that 20 to 30 years ago, something like VCTE would only have been a dream. In fact, she says, if you told us, we would have laughed. The second, on the increasing momentum behind broad approaches to the NAFL pandemic, starting with the expansion of patient advocacy organizations around the world, and even more broadly, looking at the increasing energy all the various stakeholders and medical organizations are showing collaborating on an integrated attack on NAFLD and NASH. She notes that this energy needs to translate to a global set of local conversations sensitive to how healthcare operates in countries and regions, particularly those in lower economic areas. From there, Jorn Schottenberg notes how Louise's prior work in hepatitis C gives her a unique window on the experience that NASH physicians will not have. And Stephen Harrison lists a set of big items with tremendous progress, momentum, and potential to crescendo into something really special in 2023. It was an honor and privilege for Surfing NASH to be part of the biggest day on the fatty liver calendar. Both of ourselves and working with Jeff McIntyre, we got to explore a range of big issues. Yes, with a capital B for big and I for issues. We don't always talk about it on this podcast. We all had a great time doing it, and we hope you will have a great time listening to it. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group. Louise Campbell. I think you're right. What we're now looking at is more of a conversation and dialogue with other specialities. But we're also recognising what strengths we've got from within. We've got a lot of very skilled hepatologists, nurse practitioners and liver nurses that we can use that strength to educate and help the patient populations. Also go out into trials, also deliver the medication when they come. That strength has grown certainly over the last two years specifically. Maybe COVID has helped that and that we can't do it all on our own. I agree. I think only hepatology has to deal with fibrosis. We only use tools predominantly that look at fibrosis because those are the ones that we want to get who are going to have the liver outcomes. We now have toys like Fibroscan that involve fat. Fat for me is far more informative than necessarily the fibrosis is if you've got a normal KPA. I talked the other week about Escoptic's new device. We're seeing more and more devices and non-invasives coming into the forum where you can detect liver fat. The strength of that is endocrinology, cardiology. Those are the risk factors further upstream. If you'd have told us 20, 30 years ago that we would have a device or any device that you could just place on the liver, MRE, put them in a scanning machine that would change the ballpark of what we know about liver disease to help a clinician in the clinic, you wouldn't have uh, we'd have just laughed these things have developed so where we're going in the next three or four years is very exciting because the speed of that development alluding to what Stephen was saying we've got so many more people now in the field of fatty liver disease because a lot of people have moved from hepatitis c we put the army of liver specialists behind hepatitis c and that worked really well now we're doing the army behind the nash and nafl populations we're starting to reap the wards on that so Stephen, do you have a thought or should we let louise go on to her uh 
a meta idea, a bigger idea, or maybe that is a bigger idea, but go ahead. Stephen Harrison. Well, I mean, I cannot say anything that Louise needs to say her piece because she usually has lots of very important things to tell us. So I would love to hear what she has to say first. No pressure then. (laughs) I say lots of things. So, Stephen, I should tell you that my comment last week about uh, military guys acting without bravery, Mike decided to cut that out and not make the episode. He'll do that to this one, too. But if you try it a third time, I swear we'll, 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 get, it, we'll get it in. I promise you the third time. Third time will be the charm. <laughs> Go ahead, Louise. I was very much going to focus on non-invasive techniques moving forward. And then I thought, well, actually, we've had the non-invasive therapies that we've got now for a while. It's about mining the strength of those therapies. And yes, we were discussing that with Quentin a few weeks back on the sequential use of those assessments. I think AI reading biopsies, I've heard a lot more now about at liver conferences, even from the Global Nash Summit that was the other week, histopathologists saying we need to do better, but we're not going anywhere, but we want assessments that can help us read better. So that for me is a key part. But the actual coordination now that Jean was alluding to of multidisciplinary agencies in trying to attack a multidisciplinary disease and a multifactorial disease. So that for me has been the strength. And what is key to me about this is we are doing it ahead of when we've got drugs available for distribution. We're normally the last things that go in is the care pathway to deliver an outcome and a method to get the medication out. By bringing it this far forward, we will have a real opportunity to deliver medications to the people who need them most in a really timely manner. And GLI lead that. If you look at GLI's NASH conference last year, I think it was about 170 partners. This year, it's over 200, I believe. So each year, that global movement is speeding up and we're getting more attraction. Coming on back onto Jean's and Jeff's conference, the earlier we have these conversations with endocrine and cardiology, the better strength we will be. But we still need endocrine and cardiology to accept that we deliver a lot of care to their patients and their patients are a lot of our patients. Nobody can own them. We need to share every single one to give the patient-centric care. That for me is the strength and we will have more discussions with nurses in the NAFL conferences in the future because that's the strength that we've got. It is well utilised currently but it could be utilised better. That conversation has to be had in local levels, particularly in low and socioeconomic countries where it's the nurse that will take on a vast majority of that local community work and dialogue. And that's where the changes can happen, particularly in diet, exercise and quality of diet that we're now learning a lot more about. So I suppose for me, it's bringing it back full circle from the trials to distribution at the end. Jörn Schattenberg. The way you look at this, Louise, is interesting because, of course, you've gone through the uh, era of treating hepatitis C, not knowing where the patients are. I think we're in a much better position in terms of, as you said, uh, predefining those patient care patients pathways and identifying the right patients. So we're now in the, you know, at the starting block, ready, just waiting for the gun to sound and, and kick off the race and, and, and see when the first drugs come to market. I like that. And I think we, we've done a better job of learning from our past experiences. We're doing it in a much bigger disease state, right? With hepatitis C, maybe, maybe we didn't do a great job of pre-identifying the patients at greatest risk. Well, in fatty liver disease, is such a much bigger pool, much bigger sea of patients. And 
finding those that need to be treated are even more challenging. And so getting ahead of that before we have the first regulatory approved therapy to treat the disease has absolutely been very fun to see and watch unfold. And and I think that will continue to crescendo, right? I mean, if we're, as I mentioned too earlier, we're targeting late next year for drug approval, it seems like a, it's not very long away, right? I mean, you're, you're, what, five quarters away from being there. The work that we've done so far, the work that others, all of us have done in trying to grow this awareness is only going to continue to build. So I, I can't wait to see where we are, you know, six months from now, nine Nine months from now, a year from now, as we lead up to something potentially very big. So the coordination of care is huge. The sequential use of non-invasive tests is huge. Thinking about combination therapies now that we're getting some better understanding of the pathogenesis of the disease and we're beginning to see the first fruits of the labors of these drugs coming across in late stage phase two trials. I think it's, it's all kind of coming together. And now, back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We will be back next week to preview the 2022 International Liver Congress from Easel. Until then, stay safe and surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.